Welcome to the C2C Podcast. I am your host, Derek Anderson. After holding my first event in 2010, I went on to create Startup Grind, a 400-chapter community based in over 100 countries. Along the way, I discovered the greatest marketing tool of all time, your customers. Yet, I couldn't find anyone sharing how to build a community where people could experience your brand in person or at scale. On this show, we talk with the brightest minds and companies on the planet about how to build customer-to-customer marketing strategies and create in-person experiences for your brand and customers before your competitor does. Today, we're going to talk to Susie Nelson, who's been a community strategist for the past 10 years. Susie talks about how to align your community with sales and executives to get more buy-in. She also talks about how to nurture community members into your biggest advocates and the two types of metrics you need for your community. Take a listen. Susie, you've helped tons of communities start and scale. And I wonder if you were to start over, where would you start? You know, where do you think you know, the sort of beginning points of yours or start from scratch, where would you begin with trying to figure out the beast that is community? The beast that is community. I love it. I'm going to directly quote a great man named Simon Sinek and say, start with why. (laughs) And by that, I mean, it can be like fashionable right now for businesses to start a forum or a Facebook group or whatever, but without like clear business goals. And if you don't know like the why behind everything that you're doing, there's definitely a significant time and opportunity cost, not to mention like actual overhead. You know, even communities that are hosted on free platforms have to be staffed. So, you know, it's approaching it thoughtfully and applying it to the marketing mix, you know, from the very beginning and knowing what your business goals are. When I advise brands about community, I I tell them to apply it to specific areas of their customer journey or their marketing funnel or however they position it and align those goals to where people are in that funnel. So typically brand communities tend to fall in three different categories. The first is like at the top of the funnel. That's whenever you're trying to like reach your prospects, nurture your leads. Then you have communities that kind of fall in the middle of the funnel. And that's, you know, your customers. Like after you've made the sale, you're looking to affect retention. You're looking to affect lifetime customer value. You're looking to get people usually, I'm speaking very broadly right now, there's all different types of communities. But usually, you know, you're looking to get people to purchase more and more often as being part of this community. And then you have, you know, communities that meet people at the very bottom of the funnel where the goal is to, you know, activate and empower your brand advocates and have them go spread the word about how great their experience is with your brand. So generally speaking, communities tend to fall in one of those three buckets. And as they, you know, grow and mature, they can kind of touch on other areas. But it's really, really important that your community efforts directly tie back to a business goal, because otherwise you're going to experience things like losing your funding for your community projects and maybe end up getting laid off in the next round. You know, that's something that community managers talk about a lot because, you know, they're really, really skilled at building online communities and getting people talking and engaging. And they're not necessarily as skilled in communicating the strategy to CEOs who only care about things like, you know, reducing cost and increasing revenue. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, just starting out building community, if you can link it back to that why, you're like way ahead of the curve than a lot of other people trying to build these online communities. I think this is a really interesting way to look at your community program stack. And I wonder if, are there certain things that you would just automatically bucket and say, okay, this is the type of program 
that would be for the top of the funnel. This is the type of program to be for the middle funnel. This type of program for the bottom of the funnel. Like, is it that simple of like, do you think that these big broad community programs, do they serve specific markets or are they more, do they go across all of them? I think that they should. I think that especially when brands are, we're, I mean, we're talking about, you know, if you're building a community from scratch, if you are building a community from scratch and you're trying to meet people at all points of the marketing funnel or their, or their customer journey, you're going to have a hard time. Like you're going to have a hard time curating content. You're going to have a hard time directing people to do what you want them to do because you're meeting people all over and you're not, you know, directing your messages in one direction. So generally speaking, I do try whenever I'm, you know, talking with brands, whenever they're thinking about adding community to their marketing mix, in my opinion, it's easiest to pick one and focus and then scale out from there. Otherwise, you're trying to make your community do too many things at once. You're juggling a lot of metrics. You're juggling a lot of different initiatives and and things like that. So I typically advise people, you know, find where you want to optimize your funnel and where community best fits and stick it there and then see how it develops. The good thing about community is as a community matures, you know, you're going to have brand advocates in a community that's just meeting people in the middle of the funnel. Like those people are going to like happen naturally as part of like, hey, they're getting to know your brand. They're really engaging. They're going to naturally become advocates. But that doesn't mean that your whole community was created just to pick out those people. It's kind of like a halo effect, if that makes sense. Like I said, in a similar vein, if you're going to have a community at the top of the funnel, you're probably going to have some of those people convert into customers. But that's not the goal of the community. The goal is to nurture the leads. And that's the stuff that you're reporting on. So it really, really depends on like, what's your primary goal? What's the primary place in your marketing funnel you're trying to optimize and use that to drive your decision making instead of trying to make your community do everything at once. I hope that makes sense. (laughs) Absolutely. When you look at getting the brand ambassadors engaged in the things you're doing, how do you delineate what they're going to do versus what the team is going to do or what HQ is expected to to do? How do you sort of decide how to divvy up those different roles and responsibilities? Yeah, that's a complicated question because a lot can go into that. Um, A lot of considerations can go into that depending on the brand and like legalities and, you know, looping in your legal team would probably be something to, you know, there's probably like sensitive information in online communities that, you know, not just everybody can access. So it's a complicated question because there's so much that can go into it. But generally speaking, there's an exercise that was developed by, his name is escaping right now, but he used to be the head of community for Airbnb. And he mapped out something called the commitment curve. And I'm sure it's been talked about, it's talked about a lot in in community industry circles, but it's basically mapping out every single action a community member can take. And the more time it requires, generally speaking, the more commitment it requires and the more committed they are to the community. It's difficult to describe on a podcast, but it's a very useful exercise for making sure that people who could potentially become your brand advocates have actions they can take to become those advocates. So you're creating content for them, you're moving them along along that commitment curve, and there's just something for them to do. So examples could be, okay, you see a community leader kind of bubbling up within your community. What actions can you get them to take? Can you get them to create a piece of content for the community, like an FAQ resource or, you know, something that really leverages their knowledge as a community leader? Maybe they can host an AMA. Maybe they can teach something. Maybe you can like put them, elevate their platform a little bit. And then it would be the perfect time to ask them to join your team. Be like, hey, if you want to, you know, help moderate, but you know, it, it's 
the art of building up that relationship to the point where it's kind of a no-brainer for them. It's a natural fit for them to want to, you know, participate in more of a like tangible way, like joining the team or on a volunteer basis or something like that. I wonder if we could go back to this discussion around metrics because you've got some really great insights in it. What kind of metrics do you look at? What kind of metrics do you surface up the chain? And what do you think people should focus on? Well, that's, of course, going to depend <laughs> on the type of community that you have. When I talk about metrics, I always try to make it really clear because there's a lot of confusion around community metrics because there's two different kinds. Like one are metrics that like your CEO cares about. And then there's metrics that community managers care about. So that's things like, you know, engagement and how many leaders that you have and how healthy is your community. The two go hand in hand. But a lot of times your CEO doesn't care how active your community is. He cares how many people are converting into leads, how many people are buying more things. If you can map it back to like actual dollars and cents, which granted can be really, really hard, especially if you're on a platform like a Facebook group where you can't necessarily easily get that data. You have to kind of rely more on anecdotal evidence or kind of get creative on, on how you find that number. It depends so much on what type of community it, it, that it is. It's hard to get specific, but it's important not to confuse like sense of community metrics and community health metrics with like metrics that affect the bottom line. I feel like a lot of community managers focus all of their efforts on honing in on the sense of community aspect than like the dollars and cents aspect. And both are tied hand in hand and both are very, very, very important. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think in, in, to your point that people that are drawn to this industry or are the types of people and I being among them, having started a community myself, like I wasn't overly intrinsically motivated. I'm not an overly salesy kind of person. And I, I'm probably on the far on the sales spectrum as far as community people. But but like, you know, if you sit down with like a sales manager, I mean, you, you see that, you know, these are people that should be completely data driven, should be you know, are in Salesforce, you know, every minute of every day in their Salesforce instance or Marketo or whatever, you know, marketing tool they're using. So it seems like a lot of community people, myself included, yeah, that we we focus on. And I wonder if you could even go deeper into some of the types of metrics you see people focus on, whether it's, you know, maybe it's an engagement metric that doesn't actually move the needle, or maybe it's a you know, some sort of vanity metric, like that's not moving the needle. I don't know. What, what kinds of things do you, do you see people falling in the trap of, you know, getting excited about that shouldn't really be an exciting metric? You know, use the word the trap. That reminds me of, of Rich Millington, who I, I saw that you guys had as a guest on a previous podcast episode. Yeah. He talks a lot about the engagement trap. Engagement is great. Engagement is vital for, you know, a lot of different communities, but it can easily become a vanity metric. You can easily spend a whole lot of time building up your engagement, but you don't know the why. So it doesn't mean anything to anybody outside of that community, namely, you know, your boss and your marketing team and your sales teams. When I first started in community, I was the same way. I, I didn't care about the business side of it as much as I should have. And that was something that I had to learn through like years of talking directly with marketing teams and sales teams and decision makers who were constantly just like, okay, I get that the engagement is great, but like, why should we celebrate this other than like you do a good job talking to people? So it was a lesson that I had to learn and 
you know, engagement for a lot of communities isn't important at all. For example, I know of a brand community that's a brand community of advocates, and there's maybe 60 people in this group. It's super small. So you would assume that maybe it would be a lot more active because generally like smaller communities are more tight knit. They have a lot in common. This it's a Facebook group. This group gets maybe two posts a week, maybe on a, on a good week, maybe it gets two to three comments. So, I mean, there's like maybe two people besides a community manager that are active day to day in this group. So it seems like engagement is really low, but in full context, these people have known each other for years. They all have their phone numbers. All of that engagement is happening elsewhere. And this group is now just a place where they know they can go to get just that extra support and, you know, extra contact with the brand and the engagement metrics don't really matter. So it's all in context. If we had a community manager for that group that was obsessed with engagement, they would be very, very upset with the way the group was going, but actually it's serving its purpose very well. So broadly, you should be measuring the health of your community, but you have to separate that from the business metrics. From your point of view, what types of companies or industries do you see adopting community the most right now? Okay, continuity programs are killing it right now. Anything with a membership has a community attached to it because it's a brilliant yeah. way to keep interest and conversation alive whenever people are done consuming the content and they're waiting on the next course or the next box or the next whatever. Anybody who has a membership program or a subscription program is tacking on a community along with it because the retention is insane. They're finding communities are like the key to customer satisfaction and loyalty. And it's just amazing. I, I'm obsessed with continuity membership programs. <laughs> yeah, it does feel like, and I know with Startup Grind, we looked at this for years like, oh, we we need to have a membership. We need, And we finally, we didn't. I, I still, I had a, literally had a conversation about it yesterday. It feels like every day I'm reading about a new community that either was struggling or failing or that put together membership and it's, you know, and I'm sure it doesn't help all of them, but it seems to help a lot of them. It's very hot right now. <laughs> it's very hot right now. Exactly. Have you seen any interesting examples of a community being taken offline versus just the online? Yeah. I love the concept of Yelp Elite. So that's the advocate program for Yelp. A huge part of their program is connecting their community members offline, their brand advocates. So they will invite them to like exclusive restaurant openings or just like cool and interesting things to do in your local town, like hatchet throwing or whatever people do now. But they get, you know, they gather them up offline and they give them cool things to do. And it's just a perfect marriage of pairing people who are really passionate about writing and taking photos and, you know, doing cool things and then writing about it and then creating this amazing user generated content that benefits the brand. And they can meet offline, they can do all these cool things together and develop like really cool friendships and then take that back to the online community. I just think it's brilliant. And I, I it's another group that I'm obsessed with. I love everything that they do. <laughs> What do you think is the future of brands building customer to customer communities or these offline communities? Like, do you see these growing? Do you see them, you know, sort of being where they're at? Do you like, what do you see as the future of C2C? That's a really interesting question. I do think that we'll see more of them, more and more and more. Community as an industry is really just starting to mature. You know, David Spinks of, of CMX, he said something at a CMX summit a few years ago that I'll never forget. He said that the work that we're doing now in community 
is going to inform the industry five years from now. And I really took that to heart because it's so true. We're all kind of making this up as we go along, it feels like. And it's really important work. So I think that we'll see more. I think that we'll see community management become more of a skilled position instead of, you know, I, I see a lot of companies that they're they're just going to tack it onto their social media marketing person, or they'll, you know, get some kid out of high school that just like needs an internship and have them run the community. And they're putting really, really green people in charge of something that's really, really important and, you know, does require some like skill and strategy. So I think that we'll see the industry itself start to mature. You know, brands are embracing communities now more than ever because it provides that human experience that can be missing whenever you start scaling your marketing strategy. You know, scaled marketing is all about getting as many eyeballs as possible, you know, qualified eyeballs as possible on your things and getting them to take an action. But, you know, communities add that human element back in that it takes that transactional marketing relationship and turns it more into like a human emotional relationship, which is stronger, and it lasts a whole lot longer. If I can still wax poetic for like one second, and this is going to sound so cheesy, but I firmly believe that community is going to be one of those things that like saves the world at the end of the day. You know, we're in a time, culturally speaking, where everyone is very focused and very vocal on what makes everybody different from each other. And community is that thing that focuses on what we all have in common and what brings us together. And, you know, if your brand or your product can be one of those flags that everyone is gathered around, then even better. So I hope and I expect that more and more brands will thoughtfully approach this and add community back into their marketing mix. It's a great thought to end on. I need to get somebody to like print that on a quilt for me that I can, you know, just rest under every night because I think you're exactly right. It's a great thought. Thanks for being here, Susie. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave a review wherever you listen to this. If you'd like to see more about how to create your own event community, go to bevylabs.com slash pod. Again, that's B-E-V-Y. L-A-B-S dot com slash pod. Podcast.